Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Rice and Mike's podcast. I'm your host, Tung Nguyen, and today I'm joined by a repeat guest from last week. His name's Nathan Fu. Nathan, how are you going hello, today? Hello, very well. Do I get to be, do I get a co-host credit soon? I mean, if you're on here long enough, I guess <laughs> you may as well. <laughs> so, what is Nathan here for? He's been on here a few times. If you haven't listened to his episodes, I highly recommend you to check them out. We do list our guests in the description. Before Nathan was on here, he was talking about his relationship with his mum. And then the other episode, we spoke about instant noodles, another random topic. But if you did listen to his previous episode uh, with his mum, then we did touch on a little bit about his career as a lawyer. But I wanted to use this episode to jump more in depth on how it all works. Okay, well, with Nathan being a lawyer... Uh, I might just recount a story that I had that happened to me the other day. Yeah, go on. So, I went to go grab some lunch with my girlfriend. And when I parked the car, there was a truck that drove past us. Mm. Its door was swinging open. It turned a corner and some boxes fell out. Mm. It didn't seem to stop. It just drove off. So, we were just looking at the boxes like, what just happened? Is this like... I feel like his door's going to, like, hit some parked cars. Mm. Me, uh, so me, Michelle, and some other random couple were there. And then we just go look at the boxes and it was, uh, it were two boxes. Mm. And there were um, 10 kilo prawns Ooh. each box. Ooh. And then we just kind of looked at each other. We're just like, uh, I don't think that guy's coming back. So, like, <laughs> do we, I guess we'll just grab it. And they're like, all right, yeah, all right, have a good, have a good day, guys. Seafood's <laughs> expensive. Yeah, I mean, what's what's 10 kilos of prawns valued? I don't know. Sometimes I say them at $12 a kilo, depending on the season. All right, let's say it's 120 then at, at the least. Uh, um, but um, <laughs> what's the law behind that? Would I be charged? If you kept the prawns, it is illegal. Basically amounts to, I think the, the equivalent thing uh, is a money hadn't received claim. Yeah, it's basically, it's called found property, right? Lastly by find? No, 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 no. It's, well, that, that's the American term. But basically, oh. it's, it's a found property uh, charge. So, y- if you find something that's been lost by someone, you have an obligation to uh, return it to your nearest police station because you don't actually own what you found. If the um, item is not claimed by its owner within a certain period of time, then, yeah, you can come get it. It's going to be out of date. It's actually the same. Like, if, it's the same concept as if you go to an ATM... And um, you uh, withdraw, like say you tell the ATM, I want a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. It gives you two hundred. You are um, obliged to return that a hundred dollars to your nearest police station, or you can be sued by the bank for taking that extra hundred dollars. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah, it's a thing. And uh, actually, it's happened before. Like I've I've seen a few cases. And they get sued by the bank. Yeah. Well, usually it's more than a hundred dollars. You know, like maybe you, you are mistakenly given like. Like a hundred thousand dollars or something. I want. I want that back. Yeah. Yeah. So Tung, I would advise you to drop those prawns off at the nearest police station straight away. Did I just convict myself? You might have incriminated yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just a story, right? Unless they can prove that I took the prawns. That was a hypothetical. Yeah, probably. Just a story, right? No, I didn't see any prawns while I was here. So. Oh, yeah. Well, remember to grab a bag when on your way out. I've got too much. <laughs> Actually, that reminded me of something else. Did you know um, the prawns that Woolworths sells are like frozen for over a year? Really? In some cases. 
There's a case uh, that's uh, one of like the cases you have to learn when you're learning the area of torts, um, mm. tort of negligence or something, where um, uh, someone sued Woolworths because apparently I think the prawns that they bought made them sick. And when you read that case, Woolworths disclosed that they say they had the prawns frozen for like X amount of time. And I'm pretty sure it was, it was more than a year. Oh, no, it wasn't more than a year. It was a bit less than a year. Mm. And yeah, they kept them frozen for a while. Because the prawns you get for Christmas, obviously, like, you can't get prawns all the time. Uh, so they'll stockpile them. That's, that's fucking nasty. Yeah, man, go buy your prawns fresh. From your, your local fish market? Yeah. Yeah, because they probably won't freeze that thing for a year. That's... Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> so, Nathan. Yes. <laughs> for the people that didn't listen to the episode, can you kind of give us a rundown on how you kind of chose to follow this career and you know how your mum felt stuff like that yeah well i think um unlike that that typical stereotype where you know your parents are always like lawyer doctor engineer or something like that mum was never too pressing about you know what i should do she just wanted me to do something that would allow me to make some sort of money and um originally i, I think my, my my whole plan was to get into it because dad was in it i was pretty good with it still kind of am um, and I'm really comfortable around it. But I remember vividly one night I was talking to mum about it and she's like, I don't think there's money in IT in Australia, which is, what? Which is totally wrong. Where did she get that? I don't know. Mum comes up with things sometimes, bless her soul. <laughs> but um, yeah, well, it turns out to that, that that was completely wrong, uh, which I found out many years later. But uh, after that, my next choice was law and purely because... Back when I was younger, there was a DS game and, you know, it's Phoenix, right? And basically you play as a lawyer and you run through murder cases and stuff like that and you find evidence and fighting court, find contradictions and it was so good and I was really good at it. I had so much fun playing it. So I was like, you know what? I could do this as a job. And um, as soon as I got into law school, I found out that that game is nothing like practicing law whatsoever. But it turns out I'm pretty good at it. So here I am today, an admitted solicitor. How long have you been doing that for? I've had a long and illustrious career of about, what month is it? October? About eight months. <laughs> eight months? <laughs> eight months I've been admitted as a solicitor of the Supreme Court, but I've been working in the law for about five years now. So I started as a paralegal in, I think, 2015. So what what are all these differences? I mean, you hear lawyer and you kind of think it's all blanket termed under the one thing. So what's like solicitor? Yeah. What's so, a paralegal? So a lawyer is a blanket term for, or lawyer or legal practitioner is a blanket term for anyone who practices law, right? And usually that falls into, that usually refers to two different classes of people in the legal profession. One is uh, solicitors, which is pretty much everyone, uh, well, pretty much a majority of the people that practice law. So solicitors are the ones that you go and visit in the offices. They'll do most of the paperwork. Uh, they'll prepare your documents, give you the advice. They're your first point of contact. If you have the, I suppose, unfortunate opportunity to go to court, not for jury duty, you might have to engage someone called a barrister. And the barrister is the person that will get up and advocate for you in court. So the one that makes all, right. all the arguments, yeah, yeah. plans out kind of your strategic moves in there. So like the Harvey Specter and yeah, Mike yeah. Ross. I think that, yeah, but yeah, that's it. Um, basically, the, the main difference between the American and the um, uh, Australian systems, uh, as far as practitioners go, is that an American attorney will 
do the roles of both solicitor and barrister. Here in Australia, there's a clear distinction. So we're governed by two different sets of rules. And we also have two different professional associations. And um, what the plan usually is for someone who comes to see us is if they are getting sued or they want to sue someone, they come to us. We do most of the groundwork, prep the paperwork, tell them what their rights are. And then if it goes to court, we engage a barrister so they can plan like what to do in court. Wait, so you're not a barrister, right? No, no, no. So How it works is you're the middleman? Or Almost. Um, usually, if you come and see, if you're looking for a lawyer, or well, most people just come for a transactional kind of um, thing, right? So maybe you'll buy a house and you need to do what's called a conveyance. So you need a solicitor or a conveyancer to do the due diligence in checking that the house that you're buying is, you know, all good because you don't want to buy a house, find out that you've not bought the house or the house has debts attached to it and you have to pay those debts or yeah. maybe your apartment has flammable cladding on it. You never know. Um, but that, that's our job. And um, most of that work is done without the need for a barrister. But if you get sued, so maybe you owe someone money or you wronged someone, then you'll need mm. to engage a barrister. And same thing with criminal cases. If you get charged with something and it's serious enough, you probably need a barrister. If it's, you know, a small kind of driving drug offense, you'll only need a solicitor, most likely. Most barristers were solicitors in a past life. So, so that's the upgrade, right? Almost, yeah. So it's like um, once you become a barrister, you're like choosing to specialize in advocacy or in advocacy in a specific area of law. Yeah, it's, it's ba- basically barristers are seen as being more knowledgeable than solicitors, even though some might not be. But that's how it is. Most judges that are appointed will be um, barristers in a past life as well. Um, with the exception of, I think, one on the court bench at the moment, but yeah. So what's the overall hierarchy? So starting from the bottom... Starting from the bottom, you have, I suppose, your law clerks, which are basically, uh, or law clerks slash paralegals, whatever you want to call them, but they are pretty much the grunts that do a lot of the paperwork. So Isn't um, that what you're doing? I was doing. So I, I was a law clerk slash paralegal for four years before I became a solicitor. So while I was at uni, I was doing the whole paralegal thing. Yeah. And basically you, you'll get a paralegal to do the research, like um, a lot of like the preliminary research, you'll get them to draft court forms. You get them to make the changes to your contracts and stuff that you go through. Then you have above that, you have your solicitors or lawyers. Is that what you're at? Yep. Yeah. Uh, most people start it. I'm pretty sure everyone starts it up when they graduate yeah, and yeah. become admitted and everything. And then um, within the firm, you can have your own like, you know, ranks or positions. So you have, usually you have solicitor, associate, senior associate. And then from there, uh, you can either go, if you don't want to become a partner, go to become a special counsel or a consultant, or you become partner slash principal. Maybe you open your own firm, Mm -hmm. get a share in another firm. And that's basically where you'll sit as a solicitor for the rest of your life if you make it up that far. And at any time during that tree, you can choose to become a barrister by sitting the bar exam. Oh, yeah. I've heard of that. Yeah. So, what does that involve? So, I, uh, I don't know, but I think there's at least three exams where you're assessed in you know, different areas of law. Um, I think advocacy, subject matter, and ethics. And then you also have to do what's called a readership with um, barristers. So, it's a two-year, I think. A what? A readership. It's called a readership. So, before you become a barrister, you have to read with other barristers and they basically tutor you on how to become a barrister, right? Uh. And you have to do half of that stint with a civil barrister and half of that stint with a criminal barrister. 
just just so you can develop your advocacy skills. Yeah, it's like a it's a it's a long and um, arduous path to become a barrister. I think, in my mind, anyway. Is that what you're aiming for? No, I don't think I don't think I'll become a barrister. So you'll stay as I think I think I'll stay as a solicitor. solicitor for the rest of my life unless something happens. But pretty um, comfortable. It's not that I'm comfortable. I think I I prefer I prefer to be client facing anyway, and I don't have a shortage of um, court appearances anyway, so I still get to go. But I think the, the the thing that gets me the most is there's a um the like a, you know how I said before the barristers are governed by a whole different set of rules than solicitors. There's a rule that applies to barristers only called the cab rank rule, and it's basically you know, like in I'm paraphrasing, but barristers can't say no to work unless they just don't have the capacity to do it or they don't like, practice in that area. What so like if someone calls up your office and they're like we need help, you have to help. Yeah, if you're a barrister. So um, how barristers get employed is they receive what's called a brief from yeah. the solicitor. Usually solicitors engage barristers. Uh, clients don't do it directly, although it does happen. But barristers will get a brief from solicitors. And the only time they can say no is literally if they don't have capacity. Whereas a solicitor can have a client walk in and be like, can you do this? We can just be like, no. Like maybe we don't want to do it. Maybe we don't have capacity. Most of the time it's probably because we don't practice in that area of law, but... It's a lot to do to be a barrister, you know? Like, you basically don't have weekends anymore. Yeah, that sounds rough. Yeah, but, you know, a lot of people are like... There's some people that you'll meet that are just born for it. They're just machines. They'll pump out the work. They know... Every, like, they're not... It's not that they know it off the top of their head, but they know where to look for it. Mm. And they can pump, they can give it back to you real quickly. It's, like, almost scary. <laughs> but with the solicitor, you, like... Apart from the fact that I can say no, but... I, I like I enjoy the kind of relationship, yeah, relationship and rapport you have to build with clients. Being a solicitor now, yeah, what's your kind of day to day role? So I usually practice in like civil litigation. So anything where people are getting sued or sued in the civil jurisdiction, I'm running those matters. <laughs> Can you try to put it in layman terms? Basically, there's two there's two avenues, like two different um, what's called jurisdictions, yeah. right? Two different areas of law. So one's the criminal jurisdiction, which is, you know, crimes that people get charged with. Yep, and another yep. one is civil. So that's um, disputes between two people or two companies or a person in a company. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, it's more of a private dispute thing, right? Yeah. And then there's also, you know, the government too, but that's kind of in the civil jurisdiction. But um, within the civil jurisdiction, obviously, you can have disputes, different types of disputes between the parties. And I usually dwell in that area. So um, disputes between like... You know, any two private parties I can handle. Yeah. Usually I do debt recovery and building construction, franchising. But yeah. So every morning it's just check where your matters are at, where they are in court, um, whether you have to do something. Maybe you have an evidence deadline coming up. You need to plan like weeks in advance for it. It's basically like doing an assignment, multiple assignments every day. That sounds rough, man. (laughs) Do you enjoy that? Yeah. Yeah. Like it doesn't feel like an assignment because, well, one, I hated uni. Right, because you're not getting and, paid for it. Well, you're not getting paid for it, but like the the skills that they teach you in a law degree at uni, well, they don't teach you any skills at all. Oh, so what? Wait, what degree were you studying? Uh, your bachelor of law and bachelor of IT. I did the IT part with you. Yeah, um, I just don't know why yeah. that even matters now. <laughs> no, actually, it, it's helped a bit because you know how oh, I major. I switched my major to cybersecurity. Yeah. Yeah. The 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 stuff that you learned in that major. Um, you can use to advise clients on Ooh, um, yeah. cases with that involve that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Has like that happened. Some, I've done a few terms and conditions where I've had to think about it. Like the oh, ma- mainly oh, wow. the 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 biggest consideration is you know how like there's a lot of e business now. 
when you're writing terms and conditions for people, you have to, you know, adv- obviously advise them on like the data security implications yeah, of yeah. where they're operating from and where they store their data. And a lot of people don't realize it, but a lot of their data goes off um, offshore. So it's governed by a whole different set of privacy laws. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's a, it's considered like the IT degree has helped. Yeah. Look, well, what you learn in a law degree is probably only applicable insofar as where you have to know answers to legal questions. The problem is a lot of uni students don't retain what they learn. So yeah. <laughs> probably like, and coupled with the fact that you have no idea what you're doing uh, when you first start off, it's going to be really hard for you to get an answer out to a client while they're sitting across from you asking a question. So I think the biggest problem with the degree is that they don't arm you with the practical skills that you need to go and operate in a law firm. And they don't do, they, they actually, there's only one unit that lets you do that. And that's, it's civil and criminal procedure. But it's like one semester and everyone forgets it because it's really early on in the degree. But eventually they make you go to the College of Law after the end. So it's a post-grad thing. It costs you about 15K. And that's on, where you learn your practical skills. Of your, you're already like, what, 40 grand degree? Probably 60 because most law students have to double degree. You they have, have to double. To. You don't have to, but um, they do, there's a few um, unis that do single degrees now. But um, basically everyone does a double. If you're doing a single and you don't like go find work really early on you fall behind the back because everyone else is super qualified or like you know they have a higher education level quotation mm. marks it's a really cutthroat field um a lot of people end up just working for free for a bit oh is that for the um public uh blt yeah like uh well you're talking about like a public bono? appointed yeah nah lawyers? um when you can't afford one no a legal aid is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's legal aid. You can get legal aid if you um, pass all the tests. So if your case has merit and you don't have the money to fight mm-hmm. it, um, you can apply to legal aid to help you out. But uh, you, well, one you don't always get accepted. But no, those legal aid people are paid. But some uh, law firms will do like pro bono work, which is basically like we'll do the job for free. Yeah. But uh, what I'm talking about is the fact that like there's so many law graduates now, and every law graduate is just desperate for a job. So uh, some people will literally just work for free to get their foot through the door, which is what I did for about a year. A year? Yeah. Well, how are you getting money? Centrelink? No, nah, I worked at JB Hi-Fi at the same time. Oh, yeah. So my, at, at, that, at that point in my life, my, I had a full seven-day week. So oh, I, had, I had uni for two days, JB. Wait, was that full-time uni? Yeah, yeah. So I, I, packed all of, no, I packed all my classes on one day. So I just didn't attend the lectures. What? I attended all of the tutorials on one day. Worked at JB for three, yeah, which was my weekend and one other day of the week. And then I worked at this law firm for the other three. Yeah. Is that the same one you're at now? No. The the, the one that I'm at now acquired the one that I was working at before. Yeah. So a lot of people, do, I don't know, no one really tells you. Some people know to do it. But if you're in a law degree now and you want to work or you want to practice the law straight out of the bat, sorry, straight out of the gates when you graduate, get a job very early on. In the degree? Uh, in, in a law firm. Like during study, right? Yeah, well, while you're studying. Yeah, okay. It's not too hard. You can do it. Yeah. <laughs> it seems tough, man. You got to do all that free work while you're studying. Oh, like, you know, look, not all places will want you to work for free. You can probably find, a, like, a decent law firm that will pay for you, you know? You just have to be ready to put in the hard yards for it, you know, to get where you want to be. It's it's it, look it's not a degree to do if you just want the glamour or like the suit in the office or anything because there's plenty of other jobs that you can get that done in and 
probably jobs that require less reading as well. So, you know, only uh, look. I'm I'm only recommending the job for people that will actually enjoy practicing. Otherwise, it's yeah. uh, <laughs> it's not what you bargain for. In comparison to your job, compared yeah. to the glamorized media version on like suits, yeah. how different is it? I've said it before to many people. They're like, "Is your office just like suits?" No, it's literally closer to the show The Office than it is to Suits. The Office, yeah. where you're just sitting around and just uh, playing pranks on each other. Yeah, well, you have, you know, like, it's really important to, um, like, in any workplace, really, to have, like, a decent office culture, right? Yeah. So, uh, like, I'm, I'm lucky enough to be working in a firm where, like, the median age isn't over, like, 50. Oh, so, uh, like, a lot of the people I work with are around... 30 my age, 30 in my age so I'm about I'm 24 I'm, yeah. I'm about 24 I'm 24 now so we all get along really well uh, we can all you know talk shit have fun but also you know we have to work hard as well mm. so it's like you know striking a delicate balance but <laughs> suits is nothing like what you do that's what I was expecting nothing yeah. uh, like ma- ma- mainly my job is sitting in front of a computer reading like long documents making sure that like my advice covers every single avenue that can be covered just so like the client is protected from what they want to do in what they want to do. But sometimes you get some really like scandalous cases though, especially in family law. Are you allowed to talk about it? Yeah. Can't mention names, but I can, I can talk about some of the cases. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. But no, they're, they're, but like a lot of the family law ones are just people fighting about, you know, money. Mainly money. Yeah. It kind of gets sad when people start fighting about children because you kind of understand that, right? Everyone wants to see their kids. Yeah, yeah. But some people will just have really dumb arguments about money. And it's probably because, have you heard the stats? Like over like 50% or more of uh, marriages end up in divorce. 50%? I think, I think that's the current statistic. In Australia? Well, maybe in the US as well, but the divorce rate in Australia is pretty high too. I got to search this up. And I'm not, I'm not even surprised based off the amount of people that come through the door asking for... Um, you know, a divorce or separation. It's really high. Marriages and divorces straight out of 2018. Oh, nice. Archived issue, but it'll do. Yeah. Marriages and divorces in Australia. In 2018, there were that many marriages. So 120,000. Yeah. And where is the divorce rate? 49,000 divorces. So, uh, what's that? In percentage. Uh, you're looking at... Just below, just below forty percent, I think. So, all right, forty-nine thousand. Oh shit! <laughs> all right, forty-nine thousand divided by. All right, well, the close number is one nineteen thousand. So, I just rounded it up. So, one hundred nineteen thousand marriages, mm. and there were forty-nine thousand uh, divorces. It's about forty-one percent. Forty-one percent. That's really high. Yeah, I find that a lot of like because when you get a, a divorce or when you do a financial separation, you have to do an affidavit, which is basically a sworn statement, like sending out some details of a relationship. I find that most um, end around the two to five year mark. So, uh, you know, people get married. Two years later, like, yeah, it's not for me. And then they... Really? Are they like young couples mostly? A lot of people, uh, look, a lot of them are young. Mostly, look, I think, I usually see around the 30 to 40 year old mark. What I've noticed, uh, just working... A lot of people, like younger people now, aren't getting married. Um, they'll just stay in de facto relationships. But essentially, the, the process of separating your finances is the same. So <laughs> the only difference is you have to get a divorce in one. But yeah, <laughs> like, so I think a, a, lot, a lot of younger people are just staying de facto for a while longer because they want to save money, you know, buy a house and stuff. So the marriage yeah, kind of like expensive. takes a back seat. 
But uh, yeah, people that are in their 40 to, 30 to 40 range are getting divorced now. Pretty high. That is a lot higher than I expected. Yeah. Look, it's probably like, I think working in, in family law and a few other things has made me really cynical about, you know, relationships and stuff. So every, every, every time I think about it, you're like, you better, th- you better pick it right. Otherwise, it's a very expensive and lengthy process to get yeah, separated. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, the, the bills the bills aren't cheap, man. Like just to commence proceedings um, or divorce, not divorce proceedings, but I think the, the main distinction you have to make, if you're married, there's a few things you'll have to do. First, before you can only get divorced after you're separated for one year. And during that one year, you can finalize your financial and parenting matters. Mm-hmm. So obviously they treat children and parenting matters, uh, sorry, children and money as different things. Yeah. yeah. So uh, within that one year, you can, you know, go to court and get orders about, you know, what you should do with those things. Um, Usually, if you are unfortunate enough to need to get into the system, it'll probably take about two to three years for you to finalize those. So by the time you're done, like two to three years has passed, you've spent probably like 70 grand fighting over. Is that the average cost? No, nah, look, I don't know the average cost. It really depends on like, um, like how difficult the parties want to be. All oh, right, but I can tell you to start proceedings, like just to start the parenting or the um the financial proceedings, mm-hmm. will cost you about ten or fifteen grand. Jesus Christ, yeah. man! Yeah, and that's before you even step foot in a court. So that's why you have a nice car. No, I don't have a nice car. <laughs> just a Honda Civic. <laughs> it's a nice Honda Civic. <laughs> the, 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 actually, um, I think another misconception that people have is that lawyers get paid a lot. Yeah. You don't get paid a lot until very late in your um, career. because What's considered late? Probably like five to ten years. So five, five, you could probably make it to an associate or something and get like a pretty decent base salary. But the money really comes, I think, if uh, you start working on a kind of like a commission-based pay. Is yours commission based? No, no, no. I, I'm I'm on a salary. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the commissions are good, good stuff. Yeah. Well, because like the the bigger the bigger cases you do, and if you win it and they pay, then you get a portion of that. Oh. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. But uh, when you first start, you're not making more than anyone else. Yeah. 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 So when do you start getting paid commission based? Well, it depends on the firm, really. Uh, oh, so you can be getting paid commission right off the bat as soon as you start. Well, it depends on what you negotiate. Uh, yeah. with um, whoever hires you. Mm. But like, I, I look at, if I were a partner, there's no point paying a, a first year admitted solicitor a commission-based salary. And you probably would like, as a solicitor, you wouldn't want it either. Because you have like small cases, right? Yeah, well, your first year, you're still learning. You know, there's a lot, there's, there's so much law to know. And like, as I think most people's first year out, they'll be just drowning in the fact that there's so much unknown uh, that you have to kind of contend with. And a lot of paperwork. So much paperwork. If you can't read for like four hours a day, just don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you telling me like just going to work, all you do is you just read stuff on your computer all day. Yeah, I read a lot. I'll, I'll call some people. And, and that's fun. Have a few fights. Have a few fights? Well, you, not fights. You're like, yeah, you have like arguments with people about what should be done. And you try to get your, your client's position across to the other person. Um, oh, you, you, so you're calling the... Um, the, the Yeah, the other side. Other you, side. Yeah, you, don't, yeah. You, don't, you try not to have fight, fights with your clients. <laughs> okay. Right. You definitely don't want to have fights with your co-workers. So, yeah, you know, there's no point there. There's no, you don't want to... Because like, you see, like, I, don't know, I, I, I see my co-workers more than I see my family on a daily basis, probably a weekly basis. I think I talk to my co-workers more than I talk to my family. So you don't mean like your the other lawyers, right? What do you mean? Because I remember you mentioned you call the lawyers... Uh, like, let's say you have a defendant 
Yeah. And their lawyer, you consider them as oh, you call your co-workers? Them your, you, no, you call them your colleagues. 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 Okay, that's but what it was. Yeah, no, no, no. When, when I say, like, you don't want to have a fight with your co-workers, I mean the people that you work with in your firm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you, you want to, you know, you want to... Like, if you're going to be working that hard in such a stressful stressful environment for that long, mm. you want to be on good books with, like, everyone you work with. Yeah, yeah. It would suck if you wouldn't, which is why, like, I don't know. I, I work in a relatively small firm, so, like, in the grand scheme of all the law firms, it's not big. It's, like, we've only got three branches, and there's, like, firms out there, you know, whole office buildings in the city and stuff. Uh, that That's a whole different kind of, like, life from what I have. I don't know if you want to answer this because they might be listening, but are you planning to move to a bigger firm nah, in the future? No. Nah. You like the culture there? Yeah. I, 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 look, I, I, I'm lucky enough to be at a law firm where that's, um, we like work hard, we all get along and we, we still deal with cases that big law firms will too. So it's, um, it's a win-win for me. I don't know if my boss thinks the same about me, but you know, it's a good place to be. And you get free drinks. Oh, sometimes. <laughs> well, you said there was a fridge and there was full of drinks. It is. We keep it stocked. <laughs> oh, no. So, what's in there? Tell uh, me. No, it's mostly wine. Lawyers love wine. Um, we've got scotch, beers. It's basically, you know, you, you have it there just in case oh, you need a drink during the day because it's a stressful job or like you have a client come through that, you know, you want to talk to. So, talk, sorry, not talk to, you, have a drink with. But it's, it's just part of the culture. Like it's pretty, we, we don't like actively encourage like getting pissed on the job oh, but yeah. like you know after you have like a big day and you've like read like a retardedly long 200 page loan document like sometimes you just want to knock back a cold one <laughs> 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 but I, I, actually everyone in our firm is making a point to um be healthier now because you know you sit down for like six hours a day and there's a real danger of becoming fat so we're trying to get healthy snacks Fruit, stuff like that, protein balls, not eating like fatties all day, not uh, drinking as much, although that hasn't helped me much. I still drink <laughs> quite a bit, but that's um outside of work. So were you feeling the effects when you first started? Uh, the stress? Yeah, the stress. I don't know if you might have um, gained some weight from that. Uh, yeah, I did actually. I almost quit uh, oh. very early on in my paralegaling. So it would have been probably around like third year uni. So uh, I had just... I think it was like a year and a half into the, where I was at now and I had a girlfriend at the time and I was doing uni and I was doing JB as well. So I had the, mm. all that going on. And then um, like when, I, when you first start practicing law, even as a paralegal, you just feel dumb, like stupidly dumb because nothing <laughs> in uni preps you for what you have to do in the office, um, in the actual practical practice of law. Yeah. And like, like for a bit, it had me thinking like, oh, maybe like I'm not cut out for this because I don't think I'm getting better at, at all. And um, like I was getting stressed out because I was working so much. You had to do full-time uni still. And it just felt like you weren't going anywhere, even though you were like working so hard. Yeah, I seriously considered just dropping the whole law thing and just going on with IT and like, you know, hoping for the best. But I ended up stop, uh, stopped working at JB and then... I broke up with my girlfriend and so all I had was my job and uni and <laughs> <laughs> it was it was easier to focus. Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, here I am now, you know, practicing law as a solicitor. Don't know how I made it, but here I am. Uh, but no, but a lot of people feel the stress. I've had a, a, I've, I've, I've worked with someone that like was in the pretty, pretty much same position mm. and he was like, I like every day, like he was like, Nathan, I actually feel like a dumb cunt. And I'm like, nah, man, like you're not. It's just a new world because 
literally whatever you learn in uni will just not prep you for the the practice of it which is why if you're going to do it i would encourage you know go get a job really early so you can learn the ropes mm. but you just, you just got to be ready to be stressed out sometimes i think i've like started to enjoy the stress of it you I don't enjoy know. it it's a, re- it's a really strange thing i know i don't know if you noticed but I, re- I like doing like risky and stressful things like skydiving uh, adrenaline stuff? Yeah. Thrill-seeking? Yeah, Matt, I told you I signed up for that fight as well. Uh, there's like a tournament for... Yeah, but like that's TBA. But I don't know. Was I think it, uh, it... Brazilian or was it boxing? No, nah, no, nah, just boxing. Boxing, yeah. Yeah, but like it's... I don't know. I, I suppose... I, I think I think working as a lawyer has changed me as a person. Now I kind of just like... I don't know. I just like to kind of challenging things. How far, yeah. you know, how far can you push yourself? <laughs> I suppose it's just my way of dealing with the stress. But everyone needs it, especially if you're working in that kind of field. Mm. Yeah. You mentioned you do go to court still as a solicitor. Yes. But if you're not the guy throwing out the arguments and stuff, mm. what are you actually doing? No, I, I do um, throw out the arguments. Oh, you still. do? Yeah. So you still have to go to court for like smaller things, like mm. uh, what's called maybe um, a directions hearing. Or uh, you'll be going to a sentence, sentencing for uh, someone that's been charged or mm-hmm. maybe you go to a return of subpoena, something like that. There's small appearances that I'll still do myself uh, because there's not much hard law or strategy that'll go into it. You basically go there with a predetermined result and you can hand it up or you can go make submissions to the court and whatever happens, happens. But at a final hearing, you'll usually always have a barrister do all of that um, advocacy work for you. And the reason is... At final hearing, you'll have a judge and barristers are people for judges all the time. So they know how the judges react to certain things and um, what kind of, re- like, what kind of, it's called jurisprudence, like legal reasoning that the judge will apply to the set of facts. So I'm getting kind of lost in some of the terminology. It's basically like, uh, so if you go to, like, no marginal cases go to court, right? If you, if your fight goes to court, it means it's probably a cloudy area of law. Because if it's evident that someone's wrong and someone's right, you won't get to the final hearing. Someone will settle the thing before it gets there. Oh, yeah. 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 So if you go before a judge, what you're asking the judge to do is, one, make a, a determination of what actually happened. So it's called, like, you know, you have an argument of fact. Mm-hmm. So, it's, you know, it's one, one person always says this happens. One person always says yeah. something else happens. Yeah. So the judge will determine, uh, will decide what's the more likely thing that happened based off the evidence you present. And then after that, they'll have to apply those facts to the law. That's that question. And that process um, is where they apply legal reasoning to those facts. So they'll say, look, this is what the law says. This is the facts. These are the facts that you have. Mm. They'll consider like past cases, so precedents. They'll say, in this case, this judge said this about a similar set of facts and the same law. And then they'll reason based off all of these sources, what's the correct answer. And um, a barrister is supposed to, one, know all of those precedents, and two, they'll appear before many judges so they'll know what kind of reasoning a judge will apply because there's, like, in the end, judges are still people, right? Yeah, yeah. So you'll have judges that apply the black letter of the law, which means they'll go word for word, this is what the law says, this is what it is. You'll have judges which will, judges who will um, use, the, the, the term for it is, I think, like the judicial advocacy right they'll consider issues of public policy mm-hmm. when applying the law to a set of facts so i think the most famous consideration of that is do you remember learning about the case of marbo at all when you were at school no 
So do you know what Terra Nullius is? That sounds really familiar. Something so, to land or something? Yeah. So when the Australian, no, not the Australians, when the English came and colonized Australia, they declared that basically the land was Terra Nullius, which meant no one owned the land oh, so that right. they could take it. Yeah. I think in the 70s or something, there was a high court case called the Queen against Marbo. And uh, Marbo was an Aboriginal man, I think, uh, Indigenous Australian. I can't, remember, I, don't know, I can't remember the appropriate term anymore. He argued that um, the land was never what's called terra nullius, and um, the uh, Indigenous Australians had always owned the land, right? Mm. And um, before then, terra nullius was like a legal doctrine that was applied in Australia to give uh, the British a legal basis for you know, claiming the land. The, the case went to the High Court, and the High Court basically said, no, that's a legal fiction. That never happened. Um, they've always owned the land. And that's um, how that like hard doctrine of law was dispelled by that one case. Yeah, so like, um, yeah, like you, you can make arguments, um, like well, the barristers are supposed to make arguments, arguments to the judges for that. Well, they're supposed to know how, not know, but like they, they can kind of guesstimate what kind of legal reasoning the judges apply. Okay, so what came out of the case? Uh, so the land was never terra nullius, and uh, Indigenous Australians had claim to some lands in Australia, not all. I mean, some. Yeah. Oof. Oh, could you imagine if it was all? I don't know. <laughs> what would happen? It'd be interesting. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of uh, there, there'd be a lot of implications about how the how um, it's it's really there's a lot like you know then like but everyone that owned a house would be like, wait, do I still own my house or not? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You get some funny cases when you're working. Right, um, tell me, what's your funniest case you had? I had someone call up. And uh, they asked me to recover their engagement ring from their ex fiance. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, when you propose, it's a gift, right? Is that what it's considered? Yes. But also, there's an argument to say that the engagement ring is a conditional gift. So, basically, you can have this provided you marry me. Oh. Yeah. There's a Supreme Court case which says if. You give the gift and you don't get married, you can claim it back. Um, there's also another authority saying, like, uh, it's not a conditional gift. So it's a, it's a bit of a contentive, like, a, there's a fight to be had there. And um, he, called, he called and he asked me to get it back. And he seemed really upset. I, I, I did a bit of prodding. And I was like, so why, um, why aren't you guys getting married? And he was like, oh, I saw a Google search history. And she Googled what to do if you don't find your boyfriend attractive. And I was like, oh my ah, God. That's unfortunate, brother. I'll get it back for you. I, I, that, that's still in progress. So we'll see how it goes. There was another, there was another um, case. Uh, it was, it's one of those, um, it's called a family provision case. So basically when someone dies, if you don't agree with their will, you can make a claim um, under the Succession Act for a portion of the will to be paid to you, even though you're not named in it. Anyone can do it, um, provided that they're in a, a, a class of persons specified within the act. And um, what a class of persons specified within the act. So basically, if you're a spouse, child, um, dependent of the deceased, and they didn't make provision for you, like, like you have a will. A, yeah, yeah in the, the will. Yeah, yeah right. you can make a claim in the uh, against the will to say, hey, look, I should get a bit of money here. A lot of people have done it, and uh, I've got there's two that like stand out. One, a guy, no, a bachelor. He dies, mm-hmm. and um, he leaves his estate to a couple of friends, his de facto partner, um, his registered de facto partner, 
So basically, you can have de facto relationships registered in Australia. Oh. Makes them a fish. I don't know. Yeah. But um, left de facto partner, a couple of friends, and then 50% for a charity for dogs. Yeah. So he wanted us to start a charity for dogs. I'm like, okay, cool. When he died and they had his funeral, there were six unidentified women that turned up as well. No one knew who they were, but they were there and they were sad that he was gone. About a month later, when we were applying for probate of the will, which is basically the thing from the court that says you can distribute the estate to the people that specified in his will. Wait, so yeah. did he set up the will with you guys? Yes. Was he like terminally ill or something? Can he you was, say yeah, that? he was going to die. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but he was completely lucid. He knew what he was doing. Uh, he you know, had conversations with everyone. There were all the witnesses there, all gravy. Mm. And then when we apply for probate, uh, you have to, you know... Let the court know and you have to advertise it so people know that you're applying for it, right? And then all of a sudden, we get a claim against the estate from an alleged de facto partner that the de facto partner, the registered de facto partner, didn't know existed. So it's basically a second woman. Oh, no. And then a month later, we get another claim from another de facto partner. (laughs) So, you know, apparently this guy's lived a really good life. Had a good buddy and... um, (laughs) left the mess up to us but he only registered one so what, what can well, they do well they can make a claim still you can you're in australia you're legally allowed to have more than one de facto partner so uh oh. yeah the implications of that are like if you're married you um get a you decide you don't want to be married anymore you separate and uh during that separation you're still married because mm. you haven't got a divorce yet you can actually commence a de facto relationship with someone else while you're married Oh, that's nuts. So if you're married now, right, and you decide, oh, you know what? I'm going to cheat on my wife. You, <laughs> if you um, live a couple of days with another woman for more than two years and you start sharing finances and everything, you could actually have a wife and a de facto partner. It's one of those, it's one of those weird, weird things that pop up. So what happened with the other case? Uh, oh, we, we, we settled most of them. What, what does that mean? You, just- you, don't go to, you, you don't go to the final hearing and all the parties agree that this is how they're going to deal with it. And oh, so they got a cut, basically. Oh, it was settled. That's it. Is that the same? Huh? Is that the same thing? As? Well, like they got a cut? Oh, uh, well, yeah. You, you can't talk about the settlement, but... Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, it's resolved now. It's resolved. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it, 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 they're, they're, yeah that guy's uh, a little fiend. <laughs> you, they're, they're, you know, there's, there's, um, there's a lot of people out there that do funny things. <laughs> But if uh, without them, I wouldn't have a job, so. Yeah. All yeah. right. Let, let's go to the next one. How about <laughs> the most serious case? Well, the most serious one, because I've done a few criminal ones. Mm-hmm. The most serious one that's come across my table is probably um, manslaughter. So that, That's involuntary, right? No, you can have voluntary and, uh, voluntary and involuntary manslaughter. Um, the difference between, well, I think what you're asking is, is it, uh, why is it different from murder? Yeah, is manslaughter accidental? Like if you... Manslaughter is... Your actions were so negligent or so reckless that Mm. they resulted in the death of someone else. So accidental, right? It doesn't have to be accidental. There's cases... Yeah, usually it's accidental because Mm. you're reckless or negligent in what you're doing and you've just... You've killed someone. Yeah. Um, So you you probably weren't thinking, yeah, I'm going to kill this guy. But um, whatever you're doing was so, you know, dumb that someone's died. Uh, That's probably the most serious one. But I suppose, I've had a I've had one sexual assault case fly through across uh, across the table, but we didn't end up picking that up, so oh. we didn't have to deal with that. Can you talk about the manslaughter case? No, 
Oh, that sucks. <laughs> but no, nah, I think... So, I, so I, those, those I, cases you can't really talk about? Not till they're done. Oh, that's still going. Yeah. Okay, right. Damn, that would have been juicy. Oh, yeah. yeah you, look, really, you um, shouldn't be talking about cases um, until they're done. But, uh, yeah, I understand it's, that. Yeah. Just because that's that. Uh, there's uh, like a rule against prejudice or something. Yeah. 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 But like on the topic of those criminal things, I think it's a big contention contention that a lot of people have with lawyers. Like how can you defend criminals? Yeah. I wanted to ask that uh, next going on that. Have, yeah. Have you ever defended a client that you didn't necessarily agree with? Like what their actions were? Personally, no. So I, I, I haven't had, I haven't been in that situation. My, most of the, most of the criminal clients I've had were guilty or um, there was an actual, uh, look, I can say I understand why they did it. But actually, in that, 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 that one I can probably talk. That one was this kid. He's younger than both of us, right? He, 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 um, was he an adult? Yeah, he was an adult. Yeah. He was younger than both of us. And he, um, he decides, you know, uh, well, he, him and his girlfriend go out to have dinner one night. Okay. And her phone's just buzzing, 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 not stopping buzzing 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 yeah and um like he gets a bit annoyed but doesn't really think of anything of it okay on the way home he gets a call from a guy and he's like hey the guy he picks up the phone and the guy's like hey i'm fucking your girlfriend and he's like what the fuck and then um he tells his his girlfriend she gets all distressed and stuff she's like just drop me off at home she drops he drops her off at home and um he uh while he's in the car the guy comes up and staunches him in, in his car. Oh, he's there. Yeah, he's at, he's at his the, that guy's at his the girlfriend's house. Oh shit! Uh, so he's in his uh, my guy's in his car. The guy opens the door to his car, pulls my guy out, and starts trying to go at him. My guy knocks him. The cops are called, and both my guy and the other guy are charged with the fray, which is a charge. Um, it's different to assault, whereby uh, you um, have done an act that puts people around you, that, that, that puts them in fear for their safety. Mm. So that charge only exists because you remember, uh, I don't know, um, back in the old days, they used to have a lot of street fights. Yeah. And um, the argument was, it can't be an assault if it's consensual, right? <laughs> that, that was the what? argument at the time. Yeah, you can't, you, you, they were like, well, I'm, we're not assaulting each other because it was consensual. Yeah. So they came up with a new crime, which is a fray. And it's basically when you do an act that scares the people around you. Mm. So if you went into, you know, Cabaret Madden and started screaming, fuck, there's a bomb, you'd probably get charged with a fray. Oh, okay. And a few other, like, maybe counterterrorism crimes or whatever. <laughs> yeah, so he, he gets charged. Um, I get the guy that got cheated on. And um, I'm like, man, like, you know, he, he, he did scare people around him. He scared the girl. But he didn't do anything wrong. Wasn't that self-defense? You can't, the, uh, self-defense defense isn't a defense to a fray. It's just a rule. So you can you can plead self uh, the defense of self defense to assault, but you mm. can't do it to a fray. Okay. Yeah, because so basically the, the logic the logic is, you well, just because you're defending yourself doesn't mean other people can't be scared for their safety. So can't you apply that to anything? Like let's say someone tries to rob you mm. on the street. Mm. I mean, let's just say middle of the day, yeah. and he, he's got a knife, and then mm. you somehow knock him out, but the people around you are scared because there's a fight happening. Does that still count as a fray? You could. That seems a bit, a bit weird. Yeah, well, it's like it's just like this, right? So uh, it's like this case. Like it's, it's strange that he was charged, but you can understand why he was charged. 
Yeah. Yeah, and look, it's up, it's up to the it's up to the the officer who attends the scene to decide whether or not they want to charge the person with it, right? Oh. In in the robber in like the robbery case that you just suggested, it's probably a bit different because there's a very clear kind of indication as to what's going on. Yeah. You know, but here it just sounds like a street brawl. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's it's that like police have the discretion to charge with it, with whatever they want, and they can, um, provided that they have the reason to. And in that case, well, we looked at it and we're like, oh come on, like this kid was just like trying to defend himself for one, and he was also upset that he was he got cheated on, mm. right? And um, we uh we we ended up making a few submissions to like the police and saying like, hey look man, like you you get what's going on, right? And the police is like, yeah, I get what's going on. Like I didn't want to charge him, but I had to. And we're like, yeah, cool. So um, we go to court, we give our submissions to, you know, the judge saying mm. he's not a bad kid, had a rough night, was really distressed that he got cheated on. He's really remorseful for what he did. And he was. Mm. And um, the judge was like, to the police prosecutor, do you have anything to add? And the police officer was like, no, he's good. He seems like he threw it out. No, he, say, he just didn't, he didn't, he didn't argue with our submissions. So oh, okay. the judge was like, section 10 at the time is what it was called. Um, but basically it means... That's the cancelled... No conviction recorded. Yeah. Yeah. Probably a good behaviour bond. I don't know. Yeah. Section 10. Yeah, it's a it's a famous little term. Yeah, I'm quite familiar. you've heard. Um, but that doesn't exist anymore. Oh, it doesn't? No, they've just moved the section number to section 9 now. Oh, but it's still Subsection there. Subsection something else. But it's still there. The okay. mechanism's still there. Uh, yeah. But it's, yeah. A, it's a big discretionary measure. So judges can decide to give it to you. They can decide not to. You can only do it once, right? That's what they say. But I've seen some people get it more than once. Oh. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, like that being said, no, don't commit crimes. But if you do, please come see me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but you, like um, it's, it's supposed to be um, like something that can be used just to, it's basically a slap in the wrist, you know? Like we get it, you stuffed up once, don't do it again. Ugh. Yeah. It's a rough world, man, being a lawyer. Oh, it's a, yeah. Oh, it's, look, there's never a boring day in the office, is all I have to say. Like, every day, um, there's some sort of new kind of fight you have to have, and it's always kind of, for, for me, it's fun. I suppose, like, I've, I've always been, um, I've always liked solving things anyway. Problem mm. solving's fun for me, so I guess it's the job for me. And my math ability wasn't that great, so. <laughs> oh, it's good, it doesn't involve any. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, according to my mum, my English ability isn't that great either, but, you know. Whatever. <laughs> it's a people, people job. Have you had a very expensive case? Most are, if you go to court. What's the most expensive? I've seen a, like a hundred grand um, come across for one entire family law matter once. Oh, shit. But that's because sometimes you get people that you just don't want to give up. My boss some, uh, has said to me once, if you've gone to court, you've already lost because the, the time and expense that you will spend going to court, it's just so vast that you would have probably been better just settling the thing and then moving on with your life. Because like the straight, like, um, like being caught up in proceedings as well, just puts like a strain on people that are involved. Mm. Like if the lawyers are feeling it and we, we don't have any sort of personal connection to the case either, you can just imagine like how a person being sued feels. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like it's a lot of pressure because, like, like, if it's a civil thing, you could end up bankrupt. You could, you know, like lose your house or something. If it's a criminal thing, you could end up in jail. But like, we, 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 
like we we don't have that risk and it's already stressful for us so you know going to court just isn't worth it so you would say to everyone listening uh, if you got something if you got a case huh if, then... if 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 you if you've got a case you want to settle it before it gets um to court but if you look if you have a good claim and the other side's just not listening and they just don't get it by all means run it to court but if you have a such a clear cut case like why would you waste your time and money fighting about it when you could just you know settle it and move on with life yeah yeah like my my goal is right is to solve the client's problem with as little stress time and money as possible mm. because like I just could not imagine living under that pile of stress for so long. Because they get dragged out for a while, eh? Yeah, man. Like most uh, most um, court cases, would go like two, three years. Oh, what? Yeah. Unless you're in the local. Sometimes the local goes on. Local courts goes on for ages as well. Mm. But it's not a fun place to be stuck, especially as one of the parties. What do you think about sovereign citizens? What are sovereign citizens? People that claim that uh, they're like free men of the land. Uh. <laughs> you know, and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm not, I wasn't driving off, so I was traveling. Have you seen those kind of clips before? I, I've, se- I've, se- I've seen like a few kooks. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, like, you mean like, I'm thinking about the, like, the people that declare themselves sovereign of whatever bit of land they're on. Like they don't have to follow the law. They, they don't drive with any plates on. Yeah. They're traveling. <laughs> on a government like <laughs> paid for road I look I, I think it's really stupid uh, yeah. uh, I don't know how to say it without seeming like a little bit pretentious but basically <laughs> like everything look every, everything that's in place by way of a law or something is usually there because it's a societal norm that's needed to kind of be there to ensure the func- like the proper functioning of society. Like we pay taxes so then so that, you know, roads can be built, hospitals can be run, schools mm. can be run, all that stuff. We pay tolls so then you can maintain uh, well while the toll roads were still owned by the government. You pay the tolls so that the cost of building the roads covered. Like obviously there's uh like laws against certain crimes because you would not want to be like shanked when you're walking out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like to a degree like, I, I think like if there's a law and you're breaking it, you're stupid. Because one, like, it, it's going to cause you a lot of stress later down the line. Because if you get caught, you get you're going to get stuck in one of those court proceedings for a, a little while. And two, like, how hard is it just to just be a functioning member of society? You know, <laughs> <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. Like, uh, yeah, everyone speeds here and there. But like, if you want to make such a big ruckus out of it, why? Yeah, everyone asks that same thing. <laughs> that seems like a lot of stress for you that you don't need. Like, I don't know, like, working in law, being stressed all day, like, as soon as I leave, I kind of just turn off, like, my brain mm. and, like, anything that could do me, like, any sort of stress because I'd probably be, like, in a hole somewhere if I kept stressing all day. So I just don't, I don't get people that put themselves in situations that, that causes them so much unnecessary stress that's not enjoyable because there is stress that is enjoyable. I, I get that. But that's just kind of weird. I don't know. Well, if you guys have any other questions for Nathan, make sure to drop them in our email, riceandmikespodcast at gmail.com with the letter N, not A and D, between Rice and Mikes. <laughs> okay. Uh, make sure you're following us on our Instagram. Uh, the handle is riceandmikespodcast. Um, I post all the um, episodes and stuff like that on the story. 
Mm. Uh, I'm going to be doing a little mini episode where I'm going to answer a few common questions about the podcast. If you guys have any particular questions you want me to answer, uh, submit that through to either our email or one of our socials that will be linked in the podcast description. Yeah, if you want to be a lawyer, you can hit Nathan up. Join his firm. (laughs) (laughs) Not hiring right now, but I'm happy to push you in a bit of the right direction. Yeah. (laughs) All right, I think that should be it for today. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in. Please leave us a review or follow us on Spotify if you're on there. Um, That would be really appreciated. And with that, we'll catch you on the next episode, guys. See you then. See you then. Bye.